God, thank you for allowing us today to sing your truth, to sing what's true about you. God, I just uh, thank you today that you are high and lifted up. Jesus, your name is the name that's above every name. You call us into your presence. You call us to walk with you. You call us to observe your holiness and recognize your holiness and glorify you just in who you are, God. And that's, that's what we do. We praise you. We bless you. We glorify you. And God, I pray that as we continue to worship you by looking into your word and by walking through your precious word, that you will continue to draw us close to you. And God, I just pray that as we prepare to face another day, as we prepare to face another week, I pray that you will make us more like you. I pray that you would conform our image into your image, our likeness into your likeness, our desires into your desires. And so God, thank you for the opportunity again to draw close to you. Thank you for the opportunity to trust and obey you as we continue to worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to take your Bible again this morning and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. For those of you who may be here for the first time today, uh, we've spent this year walking through the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and we continue that journey today. We pick up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 6, and um, we'll just continue to walk through this sermon that, that Jesus encouraged us with, that Jesus preached to us. Um, I don't know about you, but um, there are some things in life that are concerns for me. And if you had an opportunity to write down right now what you're most anxious about in life, uh, what would that be? What kind of things make you anxious? Uh, like most weeks, this past week has just kind of been a normal week. It's kind of been an interesting week for me, which is really nothing unusual on Monday. I received this notice in the mail, and here's what the heading said. It said, Notice of Cancellation, Non-Renewal, or Change in Policy Coverage. My insurance company was threatening to Drop my homeowner's policy. The reason for the cancellation stated this, not able to complete inspection. Now, the implication there was that they couldn't get in touch with me. I'm not a hard person to get in touch with. And they were saying they couldn't get in touch with me. I'm a little concerned that someone would say that they couldn't reach me for an inspection. Then on Tuesday, uh, I had this little surgery, surgery uh, this place removed from inside my ear. Uh, it's not the first time I've had these basal cells, sometimes even uh, melanoma, uh, removed from my face and head issue. The concern that I have is that it's very close to the brain. Uh, not a lot of not a space between inside the ear and the brain. And so to say that I was concerned about that is an accurate statement. Uh, my medical routine over the last 40 years has been to regularly go to the doctor and regularly um, research these potential invasive threats to my life. 
So I'm concerned when something like that takes place. This past week, I, I, I talked to a number of people, questioned a number of people about what concerns. Just like I just asked you, what's the number one concern in your life? Number one anxiety in your life. Uh, I asked our staff and our small group, for example, what their number one anxiety was. Here's some of the answers that I got. You may add to this list something that's on your list. Um, the number one thing was loved ones not knowing Jesus. Now, that's a concern. That, that needs to be a concern. Here's some others. <clears throat> Falling and getting hurt. <laughs> Burning up and drowning. Being asked questions you can't answer. Roller coasters. That would be pretty high on my list. I don't like those things. Never have, never will. They make me sick. Um, being late. Hurricanes. Resentments. Failing health. Overcrowded schedules. And on and on and on and on I could go. And you probably have added something to that list as well. So some of these things, if not all of these things, should be concerns. But where do you draw the line between a concern and letting that concern become an anxiety? Something that you're anxious about. Um, there's a feeling that comes along with anxiety, right? I mean, I don't know how you process uh, concern or how you process anxiety, but when I get anxious, uh, tell one of my secrets today. You can tell. Uh, my throat will get real tight. I'll begin to stammer and stutter and not be able to speak clearly because, you know, that tension is building up in my throat. Sometimes it's in my shoulders. I mean, I can feel it when that pressure begins to build up in my shoulders and so forth. In, in this sermon that Jesus preached, He challenges us to deal with anxieties in a positive way, rather than letting the anxiety destroy our life, rather than let it contaminate our life. Our concerns can be opportunities for us to run to God, rather than try to take that pressure on ourselves to run to God. Uh, the title in today's passage in my English Standard Version translation of the Bible is do not be anxious. Now that's easy to say, isn't it? It's real easy to hear somebody say, you know, don't worry about it. Don't, don't be anxious about it. But how do we put that into application? And what is the implication of being anxious? And then what is the opposite of being anxious. That's where Jesus takes us today. So in this text, I see four reasons that Jesus gives why we should not live under anxiety. And then what's the alternative to living under anxiety? So let's just dig in and look at it this more. As we walk back through this passage, as we walk back through it, remember now, this is a sermon that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, preached we call it the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> First of all, in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 6 of Matthew, anxiety devalues your life. Listen to how Jesus phrases this. He says, Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life. Now remember, he's just come out of this part of his sermon where he talked about trust in money, trust in material possessions, things of this world to satisfy the needs that you have in life. He's already given a warning about that. So in verse 25 he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is life... Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So here's the question. How do you perceive how God perceives you? How God looks at you. As Jesus preached this message, he was probably sitting out on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. And I can imagine that there were birds flying overhead as there are on most occasions in that location. And Jesus said, look, the the birds need food and the Heavenly Father knows it. They cannot grow and prepare food for themselves and they're totally dependent on God. Do you think you're any better than that? Do you think you can be totally dependent on yourself rather than being totally dependent on God? That was the implication of what Jesus was saying here. These these birds of the air, they're not anxious. And if God cares for His creatures, how much more does He care for you? So anxiety devalues life because when you try to live without God as your provider, you put all the pressure of life on your shoulders. And you should feel that anxiety when you put the pressure of life on your shoulders. Self-sufficiency devalues your life. Anxiety about things that God promises He's going to supply for us and we worry about it, we are anxious about it, devalues our life. So in this sermon, Jesus was highlighting kingdom priorities. He was saying, you know, it is important that you have food. It is important that you have the the basic needs of life. But you shouldn't spend your time being anxious about it because you need to trust that God is going to provide for you and being anxious about food and clothes and the basic necessities of life should never take priority over trusting God and putting your faith in Him. So the solution to anxiety is trusting God to provide for the body that God created. And when you trust in Him, He will sustain you for His glory. When you trust God to provide the needs that you have, you have the opportunity then to say, look what God did for me. Look what God sustains me with. He provides energy for me to work. He provides talent and gifts and the opportunity for me to work. And I'm going to glorify Him in the way He has provided for me. We have a great example of this in the Apostle Paul. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, we have one of the most misquoted verses of Scripture in the Bible. The writer Paul, 
was experiencing every low as well as every high that a human being can experience. And in the midst of that, he was saying in verse 11, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned that in whatever situation I'm in, to be content. So what's contentment? Well, contentment is just the opposite of anxiety, isn't it? Contentment is a, a way that we can choose to deal with distress that doesn't take away from the quality of our experience with God and the quality of our opportunity to praise God and lift up His name. But it's something that doesn't come natural. Paul said it's something that has to be learned. In verse 11, he says, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. So it's a, it's a lifelong process. It's a learning process that we learn rather than be anxious about something. We first turn and trust God and let Him be the source of leading us to deal with that that challenge, that problem, that situation, that basic need that, that we might have. So here's a question. Are you willing to learn contentment? Are you willing to learn to first turn to God and trust Him? And then in verse 12 of chapter 4 of Philippians, he said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be abound. In every and in any and every circumstance, here again, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So let's just recap here for a second. Look at what Paul says. He says anxiety devalues commitment, uh, contentment. He says anxiety devalues humility. And honestly, it even devalues success. You know, Paul said, you know, I've had... Low points, and I've had high points. So, you know, anxiety even devalues the successes that I have and how we deal with successes. He also says anxiety devalues trusting God to support you. And that's in the normal ups and downs of life. Every day you're going to have the opportunity to either be anxious about something or trust God with it. And based on that, he says then in verse 13... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The foundation for that kind of trust is knowing Jesus and making Him the priority of your life. So why could Paul say this with all the conviction of his life? Why could he say that I can do all things through Him who strengthens me? Well, the reason he could do that is because the highest value, the highest priority in his life was walking with Jesus, was making Jesus the number one priority in his life. Even as he worked as a tent maker making tents, the, the purpose for using that gift that God had given him was to give glory to Jesus and to give praise to Jesus. And so I challenge you to join me that in all circumstances, whether good or bad, we make him Make Jesus the highest priority in our life. This afternoon, later this afternoon and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday morning, I'll be with a group of guys, 10 pastors, 
We've been meeting together every year for the last 30 years. We get together and very little agenda. We just share life together. We talk about the good things. We talk about the bad things. With this group of pastors, some of the largest churches in the state of South Carolina, some of the most productive churches in the state of South Carolina, we get together and we don't hold anything back. We open up our soul to one another. We've experienced over these 30 years just about everything that human beings can experience. We've had family members that went through disaster. We've had, I mean, just about everything we've experienced. And we, we've learned to open up our life to one another and trust one another. And it's always a high point in my life and experience. But how much more value is there to opening up our lives to God and sharing every experience with Him and letting Him walk with us through the journey of life. As Paul said, the low of the lows and the high of the highs and all in between. We learn contentment in walking with God. And once again, let me just repeat, it's a learning process. You know, we're not, we're not going to ever <clears throat> totally get it here on this earth, but we continue to learn as we grow through the experiences of life. So what's the point? Don't devalue life by being anxious about things that are basic needs of life like food and clothing. Why? Because anxiety immobilizes us. It devalues life. Turning to trust God, putting faith and trust in Him elevates life and adds value to life. Now, again, don't, don't hear what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that we need to just sit back and hope everything falls out of heaven for us to sustain our life. He's not saying that. He's not saying not to work. He's not saying to take the gifts and abilities and talents and resources that He gives us to enjoy life and to make the most out of life, make the highest priority in life, you know, doing the best with what God gives us to work with. But when we work with God as our partner, when we work as God as our highest priority, and we wait on His timing, and we trust Him to provide for us, then we don't have time to be anxious. We don't have time to worry. I've had the privilege of traveling to many countries in our world, several third world countries, I grew up in a less than privileged environment, but here's the reality. I never remember a moment in my life, never, when I was hungry and I didn't have food available for me to eat. My experience has been that I've not always had the, the best, I've not always had the, the most, but even in a third world country where I would carry a jar of peanut butter with me because I couldn't eat what they placed in front of me to eat. <laughs> I've always had something there, that, and I've trusted God to provide for me. And as I, I grow older, I have to continue to learn to be content because anxiety devalues life, but God adds value to life. And I want to challenge you to join me in every circumstance to trust Him and walk with Him. 
So here's the question this raises for me. How much does God love me? How much does God love you? I have two thoughts here. One, God loves you enough to sacrifice His very own lifeblood to set you free from your greatest problem, and that's sin. The Bible says in, in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only, His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how much God loves you. Do, do you see His arms stretched out on the cross, coming in the form of a human being, in the flesh, and shedding His lifeblood to pay for the penalty of your sin. Do you see that? How could anybody love another more than that? God loves you infinitely. And then John's Gospel goes on and says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Your greatest sin was paid for when Jesus died on the cross for you, sacrificed His lifeblood for you. That's how much He loves you. He loves you infinitely. So you can trust Him. You can trust Him to take care of your greatest basic need, and that's set you free from the penalty of your sin. And if you can trust Him for that, you can trust Him in the basic needs that you have in life. And then again in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, here, listen to what the Bible said. Just listen to the word of the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 verse 32, For He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Now, this is not a prosperity gospel. The condition is that you put your trust and faith in Him. The condition is that He provides for those who put our life and our trust in his hands. Anxiety does this, just the opposite. Anxiety devalues life. God's love and care is the ultimate value for our life. And so don't let anxiety rob you of fulfilling the most basic need that you have to be set free from your sin and also the basic needs that you have to provide food and clothing. Then secondly, Jesus says that anxiety wastes your energy. We see that in verses 27 and 30 through 30. First of all, verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, Jesus was just being so practical here. If you think that you can add one second to your life by worrying... You're wrong. Common sense tells us that we don't have control. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen the rest of this day in your life for sure. 
And so why waste your energy worrying about something that might not even ever happen? Every day, and today is no exception, every day you are going to face new challenges. You're going to face new concerns. You're going to face new problems. You're going to face new choices. And in none of those situations will anxiety help you one bit to overcome and be victorious. Not one. Anxiety damages your health. Anxiety wastes energy by consuming your thoughts. Anxiety disrupts your productivity, doesn't add to your productivity. Anxiety robs you of the ability to treat other people as a priority. You're so focused on yourself. I'm so focused on myself that I can't be used by God to help other people. Anxiety destroys our ability to to stay in communication with the one who wants to know us best, our Creator, God Himself. God has promised to supply all that you need when you don't waste time and waste energy worrying about something that you can't control anyway. Doesn't that just make total sense? Jesus being so practical here. I have a booklet in my office that I use often. I look at very often. It's by a very famous pastor, well-known pastor in my generation. He was having a procedure to remove prostate cancer. And the day before he went in to have the cancer, he scratched out this little pamphlet that has become several different books. Don't waste your cancer. The point that he was making was, you know, rather than waste time worrying about what might happen, even with something as drastic and serious as cancer, and that's pretty high on my radar screen. He said, rather than waste time being anxious about that kind of thing, use that time turning to God in prayer. You know, prayer is just opposite anxiety. We can either be anxious about it, which will add nothing to our life, which will not add one single second to our life, or we can pray about it and trust God with it. God who can do something about the circumstances in our life. Jesus put it this way in another place in John chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, You can ask whatever you will, and it will be done unto you. Now, that's a promise from Jesus. But remember, that promise has a premise. And the the premise is, if you abide in Him, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? It means that you open up your heart and life to Him, and you let Him live in the control center of your life. That's what abiding means. It means He is constantly dwelling within you. He said, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my word abides in you. That's why it's so important to know and trust God's word, to study God's word, to memorize God's word, to meditate on God's word. Because when God's word abides in us and Jesus is abiding in us, then what we ask for is going to be what he would ask for. See the logic here. 
This is not a magic wand that says, I wish I had something and poof, it's going to be mine. He's saying that when my desires match up with the word that Jesus has given us and the life that Jesus has given to live inside of us, then we're going to ask for what he wants us to ask for. What does anxiety do? Anxiety wastes the energy that we could be spending praying to God. Anxiety wastes the energy that we could be spending opening up our heart to Jesus and letting Him abide and live in us, letting Him be comfortable in our life. Anxiety wastes the energy that God's Word could be supplying our life with. So rather than worry about it, pray about it. Then in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 6, back to the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, He said, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, the flowers of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Stop for a moment and just think about this. We're seeing flowers come into beauty right now. Now, along with that comes some pollen and that kind of thing, and we put up with that, but that's part of the process. Just think about how beautiful. I mean, you're going to see in the next few weeks a portrait of God's creation in our community that is just incredible. It's beautiful. And God controls that. God set that in motion. God did that. And so verse 30 then, he says, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus loved the beauty of his creation. Remember, Jesus created this earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. That's Jesus. He created this world. He loved the beauty that he created. And he sat there by the Sea of Galilee. He referred to this growth process that he created, the flowers, the lilies, the natural process of recurring life is in God's hands. And how much more is quality life that God provides in his hands for your life as well? What does anxiety do? Anxiety takes away from life. I mean, it, it literally will destroy your health. You can't outdo the glory of God anyway. So why would you want to waste your energy on anxiety rather than putting your trust and faith in God? Whether it's an insurance company calling to (laughs) say they're going to cancel your policy because they can't get in touch with you, or a medical diagnosis or feelings of resentment that you have for somebody who actually harmed you. And I know there's some of you in this room who have had deep hurts by other people in your life. But don't let being anxious about that kind of thing rob you of the beauty that God wants to add to your life and bring to your life. Go to God in prayer rather than drowning in anxiety. God does not ignore those who depend on Him. 
So how are you doing with that? How are you doing with putting your trust and faith in God and praying about concerns that you have rather than being anxious, overly anxious about that? We sang a song this morning, Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham was called by God to go and sacrifice his son. And the Bible's very clear. Abraham didn't get anxious about it. He packed up the donkey and he packed up his son and he headed to Mount Moriah. He didn't, he didn't worry about it at all. He wasn't anxious about it. He said, you know, God's got this. So he gets to Mount Moriah and the time comes for the sacrifice. And God provides in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14. The Bible says God provided the sacrifice. He provided the ram rather than Isaac being sacrificed. But the heart of Abraham was not to worry, not to be uh, overly anxious. The action, I I can't imagine that. I mean, I try to, I try my best to wrap my mind around that. But he had that kind of trust in a God who would provide. And he called that spot on Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, God provides. And if he did that to Abraham, he'll do it for you as well. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of trust in God? God provides for those who trust him. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. So anxiety devalues your life. Anxiety wastes your energy. And thirdly... Anxiety diminishes your faith. In verses 31 to 33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, we understand from God's Word that He created all of life. And God provides for what He creates. And because God is our provider, we have no reason to be overly anxious about anything in life. Anxiety shows a lack of faith in God, a lack of trust in God. Anxiety shows a lack of understanding who God is. And how his arms are open wide for you to walk into his arms and be loved by him. And let that love that he wants to provide for you guide you through the valleys of life. Valleys are going to come. We all know that. Challenges are going to come. We all know that. Trouble's going to come. We all know that. But are we willing to stop trying to take all that pressure on ourselves and put our trust totally and completely in God? Because faith in God is built on trusting God to care for our basic needs. God knows what to give us and how to give us what we need. He gives us again the ability to work and supply the basic needs according to the resources He builds within us. And faith just opens that door for us to focus on kingdom priorities. Now, it's interesting, when Jesus referred in this passage to, in 
in, in verse 32, he says, For the Gentiles seek after these things. Well, what are these things that he's talking about? Well, first of all, Gentiles is a reference to those who have no understanding of God. No faith in God. That may be you. That may be some people here today. And Jesus is saying, y'all, that's the saddest position that a person could have in life. To live with no awareness of God at all in our life. What do the Gentiles do? What are, what are those who have no faith, no trust in God at all? Not even on the radar screen. Well, they go after possessions in life. They go after pleasure as a priority of life. They go after somebody patting them on the back. Prestige. Power in life. And, and Jesus was saying, believers, there's a better way to live than that. I'm offering you something that is far more abundantly beneficial both in this earth and in eternity than going after pleasure and prestige and possessions that this world offers. So Jesus was saying, rather than go after that way of life, rather than be anxious about pursuing those kind of things in life, turn your focus on the highest priority, and that is knowing God and loving God, trusting God through Jesus to supply exactly what you need. Anything that can bump God out of first place in your life or in my life diminishes my faith in God. It's not worth it. So faith is trusting God to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And that starts, that the beginning of that is when I come to understand that I'm a sinner and my sin separates me from God. And there's absolutely nothing I can do to earn my position back with God, to work my way back to God. There's nothing I can do. I am totally dependent on what Jesus has done for me to open up that door for me to have a relationship with God. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you and me. And He wants us to continue to trust Him after He meets that basic need. Then He wants us to continue to trust Him to supply every need that we have. Anxiety does just the opposite. Anxiety diminishes our faith in God. Putting our trust in God increases our faith in God. Because He can supply our basic need for Eternity, as well as the needs that we have on this life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. So again, have you trusted Him? Have you put your faith in Him? Have you come to that point where your basic needs are prioritized by putting your faith and trust in Jesus? And that leads to the last thing this morning. In verse 34, anxiety multiplies your troubles. He says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, we wish this wasn't here, but here's what this says. Every day that you live has a potential 
of providing trouble for you to have to live through. Trouble is part of life. Why? Because of the fallen nature of you and me, the fallen nature of mankind. Because of sin. And Jesus says that anxiety devalues your life and wastes your life energy and diminishes your faith because you become so consumed with the things of this world that your troubles for today then just become multiplied. You can't do anything about trouble that you might have tomorrow because it might not ever happen for one thing. It's a waste of time to worry about tomorrow when you can use that energy in dealing with the challenges and troubles that you have today. Our anxiety is not going to change anything about what might happen tomorrow or in the future. Now, once again, we all face troubles every day. Every single day, there's some sort of challenge out there, that's for certain. Anxiety, though, over that simply multiplies your troubles. It doesn't resolve it. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, deal today by drawing on the resource that God supplies. And that's fellowship with Jesus and walking hand in hand with God today. And then, when God walks through that, that trouble with you and you come out on the other side, give glory to Him. Give praise to Him. Trust Him today by not being anxious of what might happen tomorrow. Now don't hear what Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't plan for tomorrow. Jesus is not saying that we don't need to have schedules and we don't need to have activities that uh, or uh, next steps in our life that we plan for. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying, though, is trust God to provide in those plans. Trust God to provide in those next steps. Trust God to provide in those goals that he's led you to set for your life. Because anxiety only immobilizes us for today. And creates a lack of trust in God's promises to take care of the needs that we have today. Jesus said that God will give us the strength to live for today. And time is gone, but I could, I could name you hundreds of times in the Bible where God's Word challenges us to trust the provision of God rather than trying to create solutions to trouble with our own hands and in our own power. Don't make the mistake that the Israelites made when God said He would provide for them and they complained about water, they complained about food, they complained about being lost in the desert, on and on and on we could go. When God said, trust me, trust me, Have you done that with your life? Have you come to that point in your life where you realize you can trust God? Gail and I have been married for 47 and a half years. Pretty soon I'll be saying nearly 48 years, but um, that would be presumptuous of tomorrow, so I won't say it that way. But 47 and a half years we've been married. 
We learn very early in our life to totally depend on God. I was in seminary in Texas, pastoring a little church, 125 miles from seminary, and we would drive on Friday up to the church and drive back on Sunday night to Fort Worth. I was in school. We were both in school in Fort Worth. We only had one car. We depended on that car to get us where we needed to, to get around. In the middle of one week, that car broke down. <clears throat> I had a part-time job working with seminary maintenance, if you can believe that or not. Um, but it was, it was a fun kind of job. There were 12 or 15 of us that worked around fixing up seminary housing. And when my car broke down, eight or ten of the guys got behind the car. We pushed it two blocks down the street to a little shop that was right off of McCart Avenue in Fort Worth. We didn't have the money to pay for it. We didn't. We honestly did not have the money to pay to get that car fixed. But in faith, the guys pushed it down with me and we put it in the shop. The next day I came out to where we clocked in to work and I pulled the envelope out to punch my time card. And there was an envelope inside the time card slot. It was the exact, and I can't make this up. I mean, it was the exact amount of money that we needed. And we hadn't shared it with anybody except she and I had prayed about it and asked God to help us. Exact amount of money we needed to get that car out of the shop. It was a great lesson for us. We've seen that repeated many, many more times over. Now, that may have not have been as big a deal as Abraham having a sacrifice provided for his son Isaac. But for us, it taught us a lifelong lesson to depend on God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So what does Jesus say? He says the opposite of letting anxiety multiply your troubles is to trust God to walk through those troubles with you, to guide you through those troubles. By way of application, I want to challenge you to trust God's solution to anxiety by trusting our Heavenly Father. It's just that simple. I mean, the message of Jesus is simple. Trust God to supply every need that we have. Be willing to obey Him. Where God guides, God provides. You, you can trust Him today. When Jesus was going to the cross the night before He went through the trial and then ultimately the crucifixion, what was He doing the night before? He was at Gethsemane. He was praying. And the Bible says that He sweat as though it were drops of blood. Do you think Jesus was concerned about what was going to happen to him the next day or so? Of course he was concerned. But what was he doing? He was praying to the Father that God would give him grace to finish the journey, to complete the journey. That's what I trust and pray that you and I will do also. When the Moe's surgeon was finishing up my ear this week. He said, we've got three options to finish this process. 
He gave me three options. Today, you and I have options. The options are to trust God, to ignore God, or to try to take all that pressure on ourselves. The question is, which option will you choose? Will you trust Him to do for you what you can't do for yourself? First of all, in supplying your salvation so that your relationship with Him, which is your purpose for being here on this earth, can be restored. To trust Him as your Savior and your Lord and the solution to every challenge you'll face in life. Or to ignore Him or to continue to take all that pressure on yourself. God, I pray today that as we consider what you have done for us and what you have supplied for us in providing not only our life, but also fulfilling the purpose that you have for our life. God, I pray that we would not be anxious, as Jesus said, not just in words, but in actions. God, we would trust you and then give glory to you, give praise to you for what you have done in our lives. God, I pray that every person here would just submit to totally dependent on you, just like the birds of the air, just like the flowers of the field, to trust you to provide the little things for us, the basic things for us, as well as the major things challenges and focuses that we have in life. Continue to lead us and guide us now as we worship you, God, our provider. In Jesus' name.